Good evening. I have uh, <coughs> many questions on uh, uh, dhyana. So I I start answering those questions first, and if I have more time, I will go back to yesterday's left uh, Monday's leftover questions. <coughs> Uh, first question is, since sati and concentration are both characterized by the mind remaining on the object without a string, what uh, distinguishes these two uh, mental factors from each other? <coughs> uh, concentration, of course, uh, stays on uh, one object. And uh, uh, it is uh, uh, wholesome one-pointedness of mind. Uh, sati is the factor that uh, sees what is what the object is in a very uh, very distinctly, very clearly. It is just like um, a laser beam and clear eyesight. A laser beam is focused on one particular thing, and without clear eyesight you cannot do that. Eyesight is like uh, sati. Concentration is like laser beam. So uh, one clears up the object, other holds on to it. Uh, this is how I understand this difference between these two. holding awareness on the object very clearly, and the other is uh, focusing on the object. So next question is, what are the supramundane jhanas? I mentioned this uh, in my talk today. Mundane jhanas uh, have the the goal of gaining concentration. And as I said, mundane jhanas we tend to lose. And uh, mundane jhanas, uh, if one dies with mundane jhanas, one will be reborn in a, a higher realms called Brahma realms. Uh, and s- since the person is going to lose them, once the person loses it, one has to start all over again. And mundane jhanas also uh, will uh, suppress jhanic factors, what you call opposite of jhanic factors, like hindrances. They just suppress. Uh, but they don't, uh, when you attain supramundane jhanas, you destroy these uh, hindrances and fetters and uh, attain uh, 
the first level of enlightenment called stream entry by destroying three fetters. In other words, Supramandinjana's demolishes uh, the defilements, Mandinjana's will simply suppress. So, it, uh, the formula also says, Vivekanisitang, uh, Viraganisitang, uh, Vasag Parinamang. Vivekanisitang is uh, dependent on uh, uh, on uh, seclusion. Viraganisitang dependent on uh, non-attachment. Vasag Parinamang, ripening in, uh, destroying, abandoning. That is the description of supramundane jhanas. Uh, mundane jhanas are uh, described as uh, with sustained thought, uh, application thought, sustained thought, joy, happiness, and concentration is one of the first jhanas of the first jhana of the mundane type. Supramundane type is described as the concentration factor which destroys uh, the hindrances and fetters. The simile given in uh, Vibhanga, uh, one of the Abhidhamma texts, is that uh, <coughs> when you want to clean a place, you may wash it, mop it, dust it, and afterward, uh, suppose you sweep it and the dust comes back again, then you mop it with uh, wet uh, cloth and so forth, and then afterward dust will come back. Then you take a bucket of water and wash it, and still dust will come back. That is what happens when we attain mundane jhanas. When you attain supramundane jhanas, what happens is just like when you uh, dig the place where dust collects and put concrete so that dust will not appear there again. <laughs> so it is more permanent uh, um, uh, cure. Uh, Mundane jhanas are bandaged, temporary bandaged. They treat the symptoms not going to the roots. Supramundane jhanas go to the root and eliminate the cause of the problem. This is the difference between these two jhanas. Is it possible to enter jhana by practicing only walking meditation? Uh, it is not possible. Even if it is possible, it is dangerous. <laughs> Your legs are not uh, that, uh, you know, strongly rooted in the ground to keep your body not falling 
um, preventing the body from falling uh, to the ground. <laughs> Therefore, and also I don't know anybody who has attained jhanas while walking. Uh, even when uh, Venerable uh, Ananda attained the full enlightenment, what he did was he, he was walking, 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 and uh, he was practicing not jhana, but he was practicing vipassana while walking back and forth. And then when he was uh, trying to uh, lay down, then along with the laying down, he attained a full enlightenment and then he laid down. Even in that situation, he did not stay, stay standing, <laughs> but while he was trying to lay down, he attained it and then he laid down as an enlightened person. So even as an enlightened person, you will not stay standing after attaining jhana. This is one example we find in the text, one person who attained enlightenment in that uh, 45-degree angle. Another question is, is the jhanic state uh, where the pain of uh, uh, sitting in the cross-legged position subsides? Yes. <coughs> Even when you attain the first jhana, that time your pain of leg pain will disappear. That is why the fourth jhanic formula says, uh, having overcome pain and pleasure, uh, one attains the fourth jhana which has neither pain nor pleasure but has purity of mindfulness due to equanimity. <clears throat> one overcomes pain and pleasure. Pain, one overcomes when one attains the first jhana. Pleasure, when one attains the third jhana. Uh, one overcome pleasure, the joy factor, uh, and therefore both will be overcome when you attain the fourth jhana. So pain is the first to overcome by attaining the first jhana. You will not have any more pain, of course. You may have sensation, feeling, pleasant feeling and so forth in the first jhana, not pain. Another question is, uh, I am hearing a high vibration hum all the time. Is it connected to jhana? I don't think so, because uh, especially when your mind, your neurons all function in a very sort of a smooth, uh, <laughs> like cruising elevation of the airplane, you know, everything is working very smoothly, you hear this inner uh, vibration, like uh, hum. But <clears throat> that is not the sign of jhana, uh, but sign of uh, getting into calm, relaxed state where the 
neurons are working in a balanced uh, state. But you, it is possible for next step for you to gain jhanic concentration. If you stay in that state without getting disturbed, <clears throat> if you are afraid of that, then that would uh, create uh, uh, ripples of thoughts in your mind, and then you will not gain uh, concentration. <clears throat> Next question is: uh, Under what circumstances would you advise a meditator to use one of the casinos? to attain jhanas. I think I would, uh, normally I don't uh, strongly recommend people to use uh, casinos, but if somebody actually is enticed uh, using a casino, I would suggest only if the person does not make a lot of uh, traveling and moving and so forth and stay in one place, Say one has a three months retreat in a kuti, in a cottage, three months, and all for oneself, no other disturbances, no other activities, nobody else comes one night, gets one's own food there and eat quietly. And the kuti divided into two sections, one to keep the kasina object, second to meditate. That means... You first sit in, in front of the kasina. Kasina is a round uh, disc, nine inches in diameter and uh, made in certain color. You can make it this disc in a very beautiful color, even in, the, in a computer. You know that. So you paste it in front of you uh, about 14 inches away from your eyes at ice eye level and sit straight, upright position, looking at it, and focus the mind on that casino. Uh, casino uh, means uh, uh, entirety to represent, if you use blue, that particular disc represents the entire blue color. And therefore, to uh, to, um, to represent the entire blue, we use this disc and call it blue casino. So, uh, you focus your mind on it uh, as long as you can keep your eyes open and close your eyes. And then you should be able to remember every minute, tiny little details of that blue color on the disc. If you don't remember all the details, then open your eyes again and keep gazing at the object of the color, of the disc. And keep doing it until you are fully confident that you have memorized the entire blue color disc. And then you go to the second place. That is why I, asked, I said that you have to divide the kuti into two sections. First section is to sit and watch the, the the blue object. Once you have confidence that you have memorized it, then you don't sit there, don't stay there. With that memory, you slowly move to the next sitting place. Or if you can, if you don't have space, you turn your back 
don't even look at the object anymore. And keep recalling, trying to see the object very vividly in your mind. And if somehow the object is not very clear in the mind, go back to the object <coughs> until you remember it. To do, to, to do this exercise, you need a very quiet, separate place where you can spend a lot of time without any disturbance. No telephone calls, no visitors, no knocking on doors and not asking for coming for parties and so forth. <laughs> so in, in that situation, I would suggest uh, you can use a casino. Otherwise, uh, uh, it is, if you travel and so forth, it is a little cumbersome to carry all this. Next question is, uh, if one enters the first jhana during metta, but has not uh, mastered the first jhana, should one move from loving friendliness to compassion, or remain in loving friendliness? <clears throat> you know, when you practice loving friendliness or metta, all the other three come together with metta meditation. That's the beauty of metta meditation. You cannot uh, cultivate only metta without compassion, without appreciative joy, without equanimity. They all come naturally when the mind is fully engaged in metta experience, friendly experience. <coughs> so, uh, we don't have to spend separate, different times to practice compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. All come together in one package. But the basis, the foundation is metta. So when you again practice metta, uh, when the mind is very uh, calm, relaxed, and peaceful, free from greed and hatred, uh, Greed is the near enemy of metta. Hatred is the far enemy of metta. So you overcome two hindrances when you practice metta. Similarly, uh, cruelty is the far enemy of uh, uh, compassion and emotional uh, clinging is the near enemy of compassion and so forth. These are all related. <clears throat> Therefore, when you practice uh, metta, all the other three also naturally you cultivate in your mind, and therefore you don't have to uh, spend separate time for each of them separately. So when you com complete this practice, you gain uh, concentration very uh, naturally. And... Uh, and it is, that is why it is very, very interesting. There is no, any particular sutta which uh, dedicated to compassionate practice and uh, give uh, the benefit of practicing compassion. All the suttas talk about loving friendliness and its benefit. 
because other two, other three, uh, naturally are incorporated into the metta practice. Sometimes uh, the word compassion is used more often than metta. Loving friendliness uh, is not very often used uh, in our day-to-day language, in English language. We don't say loving friendliness generally. It is a new term for English language. But the common word in English we use is compassion. Compassionate Buddha, compassionate act, compassionate this, compassionate that, compassionate person, and so forth. Because compassion and uh, loving friendliness are so akin to each other, so related. Uh, So we don't have to spend separate time for that. Another question. Uh, last day you mentioned you were writing a book on jhanas. When is it going to be published? Actually, this will come out. Now it is in the press. It will come out uh, this uh, next uh, spring. It's in the Wisdom publication. <clears throat> it will not be called uh, jhana. It will be called by a different name, it will be called uh, Beyond Concentration. Different title. They don't like my title. (laughs) Next question is, uh, uh, I have noticed that during meditation you uh, sometimes uh, lean to the side and then straighten up. Does this happen during jhana or are you... Simply falling asleep. <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> I'm, uh, I must say that it is not jhana. <laughs> and nor do I fall asleep. I'm fully aware of my body slanting to this side. When I sit like this, my left hand is my uh, right uh, foot is on my left uh, thigh and it is high. And therefore when I put my hands on my lap, this side is a little lower. (laughs) So my body slants towards that side. I noticed it and I straighten it uh, uh, whenever I notice it. Because... uh, uh, I experience everything going on in my mind and body. Therefore, I I may not be sleepy. If I sleep, you can hear me. (laughs) 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 I cannot sleep quietly. I let you know. (laughs) Next... When we are, people apply for retreats, one of the questions is this, do you snore? <laughs> uh, next question, I have heard lect- uh, teachers say, 
that the mind is independent of the body. As proof of this, they point out point to the jhanic states in which the body seemingly melts away, leaving only the mind. Do you agree that mind is independent of the body? Not at all. I don't agree. <coughs> it is very interesting that they say this. Uh, you know there are jhanas called uh, immaterial jhanas, and they are <coughs> uh, the the last immaterial jhana is called neither perception nor non-perception. Uh, they are <coughs> uh, say before that akinchanyatana, nothingness, jhana, uh, attainment. When you attain that state, uh, uh, the whole four immaterial jhanas uh, are termed as immaterial because uh, there is no uh, material, uh, gross material form. That's called fine material jhanas, fine immaterial jhanas. Okay, I'm talking about fine immaterial jhanas. Uh, Venerable Buddha Gosa in uh, Vishuddhimagga gives very a good simile to illustrate the, the fineness of this jhana. His uh, <coughs> uh, simile is that uh, he would, uh, a, a teacher, a monk, would ask his uh, disciple to bring his arms ball. The disciple would say, Sir, Arms bowl has oil in it. <coughs> so the teacher would say, well, good, uh, if, you, if there is oil in it, please bring it so that my bottle is empty of oil. I can pour oil into my bottle to fill up my bottle with oil. Then the students would say, but sir, there is no oil in the bowl to pour into the bottle. So, in both cases, the student did not lie. Both cases, he said, he told the truth. First, he said there is oil. When the teacher asked him to bring the bowl to fill his uh, bottle with oil, uh, the student said there is no oil. What it means is the bowl is oily. <coughs> he applied, he washed the bowl and applied oil to prevent it getting rusty. And therefore, when he asked him to bring the ball, he said it has oil in it, smeared with oil. It is not enough to pour into something. So, he gave this uh, simile to show how fine the body is in that attainment, in this, in that state of jhana, even in that state of jhana, there is body, and the body is so uh, 
insignificant that you cannot talk about the body. But mind does not exist without body at all. Mind cannot exist without the body. <clears throat> Some people think that there is a particular state called Ale Vinyana. Ale Vinyana is a storehouse of consciousness. Consciousness is stored and locked. Whenever you want, you take it out a little bit and use it, just like going to pantry and getting some refrigerator and so forth, open something to cook. Uh, consciousness is locked somewhere. And use it whenever you want, whatever proportion you want to use it. That is not what we read in the sutras. <coughs> uh, consciousness cannot be separated from the body. Even in, uh, uh, there is uh, asanya satta, <laughs> that is uh, asanya satta. Asanya satta, uh, there is a, uh, there are four uh, Brahma realms without body and one Brahma realm without mind. And even those Brahma realms without the body, they are called asa. That means somebody who attained fourth jhana will practice meditation on cumbersomeness of the body, on disadvantage and dangers of having a body. Then he completely. Uh, don't pay doesn't pay attention to body, but he develops his mind, and then attain that particular jhana. And after death, that is mundane jhana. After death, that person would be reborn in a state where there are four such states. <coughs> uh, so he will be reborn in one of those states. Still, in those stages or those states, there is such a fine inexpressibly inexpressibly fine state of body that is like a shadow. One cannot talk about that body. It is so insignificant because even in that state the body must be there for the mind to exist. The word Nama Rupa, you know, Vinyana Pacha Nama Rupa in uh, in uh, Paticca Samupada, and in the <coughs> there's another beautiful discourse called Mahanidana Sutta in the Ignikaya, uh, where Buddha very clearly pointed out, can this consciousness exist without the body? He asked Ananda. He said, no. Can the body exist without the mind? Vendabhala Ananda said, no. Neither body can exist without the mind, no mind can exist without the body. These two must always exist together. That is why it is a Nama Rupa. This, this always come in pair, Nama Rupa, not Nama separately, not Supra Rupa separately. So when you look at the very deep Dhamma, this kind of thing you cannot say. I mean, nobody can say that... Uh, 
the mind can exist without the body. The fact that you may not feel the body in the jhana doesn't mean that you don't have a body. Because your mind is so uh, deeply concentrated and you don't feel the existence of body. But body still exists. <coughs> so mind can never exist independent of the body. <coughs> Next question. Uh, is uh, your, med- your method of teaching the jhana similar or different than Ayakema? <coughs> I don't know. My teaching is not dependent on any other teacher. I never quote a teacher, never follow a teacher. I follow the Buddha, sutras. Uh, I teach meditation and jhana exactly according to the sutras as Buddha taught. And therefore, I cannot say whether, whether so-and-so's teaching is similar to mine or different from mine. I cannot say. <coughs> uh, I can say my teaching is similar to what the Buddha has taught in sutras. My reference is sutras, and therefore, uh, if you find anything wrong in my teaching, you go and refer to the sutras. If I follow a teacher, uh, if something goes wrong in what I say, then you have to find the teacher, but teacher is no longer existing, teacher is dead. But if I follow the sutra, and that is exactly what the Buddha said when he was going to pass away, <clears throat> when somebody, uh, Vendamala Ananda and other monks asked, who is going to succeed you? Buddha said, for the last 45 years I taught the Dhamma. That is my successor. For you follow that. That success is not going to make any mistake. No dominating, no dictating, no egotistic teaching. The teaching is right there. So I always try to go to the Buddha's teaching and try to get information from there. And as I understand them, I teach. (laughs) And that is what I advise anybody. Don't simply follow what I say. Blindly. No. I encourage you to read sutras. That is your very unmistakable source of information. If you find anything wrong, you find the wrong in the sutras, not in me. <laughs> if you follow me, if something say, if I say something incorrect, you can correct it by looking at the sutras. So I don't claim ownership of anything I say. <clears throat> I get information from sutras. Because, you know, last, uh, at least uh, out of my 80 years, at least uh, 60 some years I spent on reading sutras, learning sutras, and therefore all my information comes from the sutras. <clears throat> okay, some general questions. 
how do you apply the practice uh, to worry? How do you apply the practice to worry? Uh, actually, <clears throat> I mentioned uh, when you have worries, uh, worries can arise either from the past events or future pondering. There's a very beautiful four sutras in Majjhimanikaya called Bhaddekaratta Sutta. Bhaddekaratta Sutta. That is uh, one happy solitary night. One happy solitary light, life. Me, where he said uh, uh, Atita na nuagame napatikanke anagate pachupananche yodam mang tata tata vichakati and so forth, he said, don't worry about the past, nor should you want to ponder over the future. Past is gone, future has not come yet. What we have is the present. Whatever we experience now is what we what we have now. Uh, and he Continue saying, Ajayavikichangata Panko Janya Maranasuya Nahi no Sangarantena Mahasirana Machuna. What we are supposed to do now, we do it now. Don't postpone it to tomorrow because there is no agreement with Mara. Uh, Mara can come anytime. So, in other words, <coughs> when we have worries, <coughs> we worry about the past or the future. And therefore, try to forget the past and don't ponder over the future. Just focus your mind on what is happening now. That is all we have exactly any time for us to use. That is all we have. The present moment, this moment. So, in order to get rid of worry, uh, what we have to do is don't think of the past. And uh, Buddha gave very many beautiful discourses. One is called um, Vamika Sutta. Uh, Diva Dhupa, Tirating Pajaliti, and so forth. Uh, if we think of uh, what we are going to do today and we go to sleep, what we are going, thinking of what we are going to do tomorrow. And so forth, we day and night always thinking about past and the future. Buddha's advice, as somebody mentioned in a sati question, is to focus the mind on the present moment, this present experience, and don't worry about the past or the future. That's how we use this uh, uh, teaching to overcome, uh, to uh, worry, to overcome worry. Next general question is, please talk about uh, uh, working with pain. <clears throat> there are various ways of uh, working with pain. One, when pain arises, stay with pain. Don't try to change it. 
what happens? It's very, very difficult thing, but uh, it is the first line of defense I would suggest. Stay with the pain. Don't try to move. Then what happens? Pain keeps increasing, 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 increasing up to a so such an excruciating point you may feel that you are going to pass out. You may feel that your leg is going to be amputated and uh, you will have uh, gangrene <laughs> and uh, blood clot and, uh, you know, uh, stroke and so forth. <clears throat> but I never know anybody sitting in meditation having anything of that sort. So if you stay with this determination, just paying attention to pain, pain slowly increases up to a very unbearable point, and then it cannot increase beyond that. It slowly subsides. If we, if you fight the pain to that extent one time, then that pain will not arise for uh, that length of time. That means, suppose you have pain after 30 minutes, and if you stay with that pain for another 10 minutes, 15 minutes, pain will disappear. Then, if you sit again, you will not have pain in 30 minutes. You may have pain after 45 minutes. So this is, this is one way of dealing with pain. And during that time you just keep paying attention to pain. Don't say the word pain, 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 pain. <clears throat> you increase the pain when you say that. <clears throat> because you don't pay attention to pain. Your mind is uh, preoccupied with the word pain. You don't see the pain. But simply pay total attention to pain. Then you will see... Uh, actually, when we use the word, word becomes... Uh, label becomes here. Reality is behind the label. So you focus the mind on the label, not the reality. When you remove the label, you can see the reality exactly as it is. So when pain arises, that's what we should do. Just pay attention to it, and then you will see what happens to pain. And after that, you can see pain slowly coming down, like mercury in the thermometer. <laughs> so, then it disappears. If you are not that uh, strong enough to stay with that pain, then... Uh, uh, divert your attention to something else. Think of something else. Meditate on something else. Uh, keep thinking, focusing mind on the breath. Uh, or thinking of the qualities of the Buddha. Bring some devotional uh, thoughts and so forth, just to forget it. And then finally, you find pain is no longer there. If that doesn't work, then uh, 
you may slowly, mindfully change the posture. I don't suggest uh, changing posture because uh, when you have pain and change the posture, this second posture becomes painful. Then you change it into another. And afterward, that becomes painful. Then you change into another. So you keep changing your posture the entire time. You will not have much time to learn from pain. Therefore, in Mahasatipatthana Sutta, <coughs> this, is, this is where, you know, the theory, theoretical knowledge comes handy. If you remember the Sutta, in, in that Sutta Buddha said there, Dukkhaṁ vedanaṁ vedyamāno dukkhaṁ vedanaṁ vedyamīti pajānāti. When one experiences pain, one would become fully aware of the fact that now pain is there. He did not say even there that one should say pain, 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 pain. One should be mindful of the fact that the pain is there and pay total attention to that pain. That is strongly recommended in the Sutta itself, Mahasatipatthana Sutta, Kāyagata uh, Sati Sutta, and so forth. So, anyway, if that doesn't work, you may change your posture very slowly, mindfully, and try to stay in the second posture not without changing. Uh, I think that was, that's what I would suggest. Another thing you should know, <coughs> when pain arises, you must uh, check your posture. Uh, before you sit, check your posture and see whether you are sitting in the right posture, right comfortable posture, whether you are wearing tight clothes or whether your cushion is uh, comfortable enough or too high or too low. Uh, or whether your uh, legs are uh, in, not uh, put in the right uh, position, and so forth. All these little, little things you've got to adjust before you sit comfortably. That also can help you to overcome, to avoid uh, pain. <clears throat> Next question, does it actually say in the suttas, that one should focus the concentration on where the breath touches the lower part of the nose? Actually, no. No sutta says that uh, any particular place to focus the mind. All the suttas say is focus the mind on the breath and be aware of the breath. the sutta says, uh, source, the beginning of the Kāyagata uh, Sati Sutta, Satipattana Sutta, Mahasatipattana Sutta, Anapāna Sati Sutta, Ujjumkāyang Panidāya Paramukhan, Sati Muppattapetta. So, Satova Asya Sati, Satopa Asya Sati. That means, mindfully one breathes in, mindfully one breathes out. And then second time, 
it says, Digang wa sa santo, digang asa sa amiti pajanati. Digang wa pa sa santo, digang pa sa amiti pajanati. While you are breathing long, you become aware of long breathing. While you are breathing long, inhaling, be mindful of long inhaling. When you are breathing long, exhaling, be mindful of long exhaling. While you are inhaling, short inhale, take short inhale, be mindful of short inhale. When you breathe uh, short exhaling, breathe out short exhaling, you become mindful of short exhaling. That's all we read everywhere in every sutta. <coughs> but in commentary or commentary to these suttas, uh, recommends to focus the mind, especially in uh, Anapana Satisutta commentary. Anapana Satisutta is the Madhyaminikaya commentary, Papancha Sudhani, uh, recommends to focus the mind on the tip of the nose or nostrils uh, and these two places. Upper lip and inside the nose between eyes are later teachers ad- addition. <clears throat> Not even the commentary, you can find these two. So to, to answer your question very briefly, I must say it is not mentioned in any particular original sutras. Next question. I try to maintain awareness of breath when I go to bed, but that somehow disturbs my sleep. What to do? Uh, when you focus mind on the breath, uh, you may remain uh, awake for a while. And during that time, although you don't fall asleep, that uh, remaining awake during that uh, very uh, wakeful uh, period, you experience a very wonderful, peaceful state of mind. That would be even better than the sleep. Sometimes you can spend hours on in that, uh, with that feeling without falling asleep. So, <clears throat> I would not worry about it. You know, uh, sometimes I spend uh, many, many hours in bed. I wake up at 12 o'clock. If I go to bed at uh, 10 o'clock, I wake up at 12 o'clock and I cannot sleep. So this is what I do. I stay for three, four hours just focusing my mind on the breath and peaceful, relaxed, uh, comfortable rest you get. Uh, especially when you grow older, your sleep is not very deep. And therefore, we learn this technique to replace our sleep, to stay awake and relax and be peaceful without complaining next day. <laughs> when you cannot sleep next day, we complain and we get we worry 
and we say we have uh, insomnia and take all medications and keep worrying and worrying and worrying. We can avoid this worry of sleeplessness if we learn to replace sleep with mindful, uh, wakeful, uh, peaceful, relaxing uh, technique. <clears throat> However, sometimes when you cannot sleep and pay attention to your breath, lying on your back, relaxing hands and legs, you fall asleep. Pay attention to your breath and stay without thinking of any various other things. What you see in, the, in that uh, focus, you will see the finest changes in breath and become mind becomes very refined and clear and peaceful and you can see the fiber of breath, so to say. I mean, breath doesn't have fiber. Metaphorically speaking, breath becomes so clear to you, it looks, appears to you like there is a fiber in breath. And it is such a relaxing, calming, soothing, comforting experience. I would not worry about it. And I honestly tell you from my own experience, Does fear come out of doubt? Uh, sometimes fear can come out of doubt, but Buddha uh, said the fear comes from greed. Tanha jayati soko, tanha jayati bhayang, he said. Bhaya means phobia, fear. Comes from tanha, craving, desire. Attachment. Desire for the body, feeling, perception, thoughts, consciousness. Desire for material things. Desire for losing jobs. Desire for losing money, property, status, and so forth and so on. All kinds of desires we have. And because of that desire, losing of what we have, there will arise fear. Losing life, we have fear. Losing health, we have fear. Losing friends, we have fear. And so forth and so on. Since we are attached to all these things, they are arise, uh, arise as fear when we think of losing them. So primary cause of fear, as Buddha said, is uh, desire. From doubt... Uh, I don't know whether fear can arise. Confusion can arise from doubt. May not be fear. Another question. Is the whole practice nurturing and fostering wholesome roots in an effort to uh, displace and eventually eliminate unwholesome roots? Yes. Our practice is to nourish, and that is why Buddha said <coughs> the unmindful reflection is the nourishment of unwholesome mental state. 
mindful reflection is the nourishment of wholesome mental state. So what we are trying to do is to cultivate mindful mental state to nourish the root of wholesome mental state. You hit the point very clearly, that's very true. Next question. When I find myself in a highly concentrated state, yet it is cloudy and lacks insight, what do you suggest I do? Is this wrong concentration? Uh, if the mind actually is cloudy when you gain concentration, your concent- concentration is not clear enough. Uh, Probably you may be practicing right concentration, but until you gain right concentration, mind can go back to cloudy state. So, uh, if you follow the proper steps of right concentration, uh, still on the way you may have some cloudy state. But if you proceed with the proper right uh, steps, right method, uh, eventually this cloud, cloudy state, mystic state will fade away, you will get a clear mindful concentration. <clears throat> Next question. If one of the hindrances uh, slash fetters is uh, ritual, why do we perform the ritual of taking refuge here? Actually, that also is a very question. good question. Uh, it is uh, uh, not a ritual, I would say. Uh, uh, if we do it uh, uh, almost automatically, uh, without any understanding, it, becomes, it can become ritual. What we are trying, uh, as a fetter, uh, if we perform rituals and become attached to ritual, that is a fetter. That is why it is called sila bata paramasa. Sila is a habit, vata is observances, paramasa means attachment. Uh, you you cannot separate from it. So you observe certain rules and regulations as a matter of ritual and become attached to it. Taking refuge is not a matter of ritual. Taking refuge is reminding ourselves our position, our leader, the Buddha, his teaching, and the holy community to which we also want to belong to. Even if we do not recite them, if we have the very firm mental commitment, I want to follow the Buddha's teach, Buddha and his teaching, and I want eventually be a member of his holy community. That is the commitment we make when we take the refuge. Uh, Not just parroting words and uh, doing it 
meaninglessly. Therefore, I would not say that it's a ritual that we perform without any understanding. Uh, last question. Many, among many questions, I want to ask only one more. <laughs> By the way, um, today's uh, I don't want to encourage that, but uh, uh, I like to answer remaining questions uh, on Friday uh, this time, uh, provided you don't write any more questions from Friday. You may write some more questions on Saturday, and then I can answer all your Saturday's questions. So, although it is scheduled to answer questions only on Saturday night, uh, just since you have so many questions, I try to uh, attempt to answer uh, some on Friday night. For tonight, I answer one more question. That is... Uh, okay. As the energy increases, my body makes little sudden jerks. Should I go back to the breath uh, at such a time or stay aware of uh, body and calm the mind? Uh, you can do uh, either. Both are equally good, going back to the breath and... Uh, Actually, when the body jerks, uh, before you go back to breath, you should do one more thing. That is, open your eyes, adjust your posture, and make a mental contour survey of the body, and then go back to the breath. That's perfectly all right. Uh, so being aware of the body is another good thing to do. Uh, to calm the mind. Uh, so either of them or both of them are equally good, but in addition to that, I would suggest that you open your eyes and adjust your posture. So, friends, that's all I can do tonight. Uh, so I um, try to remember where I stopped and so that I can continue on Friday night and finish this this set of questions. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs>